Hello and welcome to another wondrous episode of Sauce Talk. We have a great episode for you John Huber is here. Johnny didn't even call John Mike once this episode it is truly an incredible achievement by him, almost as good as when he did the power hour and only burped into the microphone 30 times. Congrats to Johnny on the momentous achievement and on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. Welcome to the post-100 era. This might, I wonder how we'll look back at this. Is this, is this a late period sauce talk? Has sauce talk, is this where we'll be like, and that's where it finally kicked into gear. No one knows. We have, we have no concept. This could be the last, I, like, this could be the last one. This could be. The unreleased, I guess, second unreleased episode. Perhaps I will die during the record. We have no idea. But here to help us find out, on the other line, we got John Huber. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up, John? Happy to be here. Not much. Happy to have you. Uh, I think I've been getting into the first topic too fast lately. So we're going to, here's a new first topic. It's called yeah. the chill zone, where you just like chill with your bro on the phone. What you been up to Love tonight? It. You having a good night? Having a great night. I worked pretty much all day, um, <clears throat> mainly at work, and then I came home and did some more work from the house, and then yeah, had some dinner, hung out with my wife. Um, chill, chill indeed. Yes, walked the dog. I mean, that's just, the, I mean, that's what you want from a day, right? Do you want, is there other stuff you wish you had done? It doesn't sound like it. it sounds like that's what you're looking for in a No, I mean, early pretty much, day. yes, that is, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, all, I guess you could, like, I wish I was on vacation this week. So this was a day sure. where I just, you know, did whatever. But, but for a random uh, Tuesday, I think. I you wish could do I a didn't lot worse. work. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. My, my no, dumbass parents chose not to be rich, so I gotta go to work. Yeah, but then aside from Bullshit. that, fine. Um, we're doing it. Uh, now, you, you, what about you? What 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 about you, John? Uh, remarkably similar. Uh, now, I, I, although with one distinction, I said I, I said that perhaps I had gotten ahead of myself. I actually have the rest of this week off. Oh. I was initially Dang. going to go to uh, Chicago, but then I don't know if you heard, uh, COVID's not as over as it ought to be. It, it, we are not post-pandemic, yeah, my friend. Yeah. Maybe at the top of the show, when I started talking about post things, it, as soon as I said post, I thought people are going to think I'm going to say this is the first post-COVID episode. <laughs> That'd be wrong. <laughs> hey, there's, that, we can play that same game. <laughs> we look back at this period as the... <laughs> Waning moments of the pandemic, right before yes. the pandemic got good. Who knows? We'll see. Um, <laughs> well, but, I'm curious why. Wh- sorry, ask your what question. Part of, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what my question is. I was sort of thinking about it from geographically both <laughs> ends. What about being in Minnesota? And what about what's going on in Chicago is preventing you from coming to Chicago? Well, a lot of it, it was mostly that uh, what spurred the trip was forever ago 
uh, my girlfriend Gina bought a ticket to Lollapalooza for mm-hmm. Thursday. And so she was going to go Thursday Lollapalooza, and then we were going to do stuff. And then I believe Lollapalooza is doing like, I think they're requiring proof of vaccine to get in. They, but also like, yank, no. yank. I mean, do you give a shit? Um, right. And then that became like a, this feels weird. And then I was kind of on the fence. And then to be perfectly honest, uh, friend of the show, wink, wink, Pat Polk, uh, his whole damn family's got COVID now. They all got the Delta yeah. variant, even though they got that fucking vaccine. And I was like, well, like, I'm not, I'm supposed How to be they smart. Doing? They're doing well so far. Uh, yeah. it seems like, uh, they got, they got some sniffles and people aren't feeling good. Mainly the older ones who have the vaccine, the young kids, by all accounts, are uh, doing even better than that, which is the best news you could you could hope good. for in this situation. Good, good. And as much as I want to tell myself that I'm like I'm the smart one, I don't. I I trust the science. I don't look at anecdotal evidence. It does feel different when it's like, hey, your buddy's like my kid went to daycare and got the damn Delta variant and brought it home and gave it to our whole family. It's like mm-hmm. motherfucker, I gotta not like go get the delta variant i especially gotta not go get it to give it to somebody else and maybe if i go do that so uh instead of going to chicago uh where there's a lot of people i'm going to the north shore of lake superior where there's nobody and i'm just gonna go chill in the woods and it's gonna be cool that's that's neat my mom went up there not too long ago maybe a couple years or a little yeah within the last few years and said it's just stunningly beautiful it really is it's fantastic um yeah i've been up there uh i think this will be the fourth time i have gone up that way since i have Mm -hmm. lived in minnesota but it's always a great time and i will uh two of the trips were last summer during even worse pandemic stuff because it's just a wonderful go rent a house out in the woods don't see anyone the entire time uh yeah. sort of thing and and so it's it's very good for i'm af- i'm afraid of americans uh which is my 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 current uh general viewpoint yeah yeah so anyway uh i had i had a good normal tuesday but it was it's always a cheat of a good normal tuesday when it's like yeah but i'm not going to work wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday i mean that's that's the the best tuesday you could ever have that is it makes me think like, yeah, if you got to do a Monday, a Monday is something you have to get through anyway. Tuesday, like you start getting optimistic about the rest of your week. And so for that to be the last day, there's probably days in your work day or times in your work day when you forgot that this was the last part of the week because you're just ramping it up. And mm-hmm. so that's just such a pleasant, like the, constantly being pleasantly surprised that the rest of your week is off. It's very much so, and especially because I had I had an an eight a.m. meeting this morning, mm. and and so like, like the, the alarm goes off, and then like oh, but, but wait, it's basically <laughs> <Yeah>. Friday. <laughs> it, oh, who cares? Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's go talk about all yeah. the tech issues. This will be fun, and That's great. so uh, a good way to plow through it. But hey, we plowed through the chill zone. What do you th- What do you think chill of the zone. chill zone? Do you think that warmed you I up like for the it. podcast? I like it. The yeah. chill zone that might be here to stay, but. The one thing we know is here to stay, John Huber. Eat anything good lately? Lately, thirty minutes ago. 
Oh, I, this is up I there had, for like the most recent good thing eaten time. It was delicious. Um, my wife, Vicky's mom was in town over the weekend and I took her and her friend to the airport on Monday, but I had to work and I came home and she had made soup. She'd made Sacha Chon soup. Vicky and her family are all Puerto Rican and Sacha Chon is a kind of sausage that I haven't looked into it or asked them too much about it. Um, so I don't know if it is, ex- you know, exclusively a Puerto Rican kind of sausage or if it's a, you know, something very much more common um, in different cuisines, but it's delicious. And the soup had, she did not go to the store. So just had stuff, you know, made stuff, made it with stuff around the house, potatoes. I had baked some chicken thighs that were in the fridge. So she threw a couple of those in there and (laughs) um, some spaghetti. Um, My feeling is that, I've had it before and it was good and I, there were a couple other ingredients, you know, so um, it's probably with using the the sausage, the sachachon as a base, you could probably put kind of anything in there. Um, and, but it's, it, it was, it's delicious and something about home cooked soup is kind of, you know, unbeatable. Uh, I, I'm absolutely there with you on the concept of, just a soup you make, and especially a soup you make just from whatever's around the house is always going to be so good. Uh, it's also, I always think of that. I, I don't know where I read it initially, but when like you look through like a world history, wherever people are, they figure out like everybody's got like, well, this is how we make booze. This is how yep. we make sausage. And this is how we yep. make some sort of dumpling thing. And like exactly. every so that that means those are the three best things to consume, because everyone right. in the world figured out like booze, sausage, and dumplings. Do something and make. That I mean, and it's good. Some cultures combine those three things. Go on. Well, I well okay. I'm speaking out of turn. Nobody puts sausage in dumplings. No wait, so, that's the one that's impossible to get to. I feel like no, people, sausage and dumplings make, is very easy. I'm sure that it happens. In my recollection, I haven't had it. Definitely dumpling soup is a thing. Um, and, you know, in like, I know in Asian cultures, but I've experienced in like the Tibetan and Nepali diaspora in India. They, you know, the, the, the Tibet, especially the, well, there it's all like, you know, people... From those, from Tibet, assuredly, but then parts of Nepal um, that are not the entirety of the country, but that are mountainous. Um, you know, you get all of those like thick noodle, really super brothy soups and also dumplings, but then also dumplings in soup, which is just amazing. It's like I didn't know two of the best things could be combined <laughs> until I had that, but. Yeah, I, I've also noticed that those are like three because it takes a kind of preparation, right? You're not just talking about, yes, of course, every culture. Yeah, it would be meaningless to whatever. be like, yeah, we found a bean nearby. So we ate that bean. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a good idea. But like, you don't right. get credit for that. But like that right. we all took took the time and found a way 
Like there, there must clearly be something like essential to being human that says these are things that we want to have. At least to being the sort of That's human right. we are today. Maybe this is also, we can really dig in and say this is truly, we rejected all the humans who rejected agriculture. And we're like, well, right. we get this shit. You guys don't well, get this stuff because you just picked the berries. We're going to get dumplings eventually. It's weird to think for me, I haven't spent a ton of time looking into it, but it's weird to think that things like sausage or soups or even dumplings, you know, noodles in general have likely been around for so long that they spread around the world just by like from their original source, like somebody had to figure out. I mean, yes, people could do these things independently of each other. You know, there are theories that, language likely popped up in several places. Mm -hmm. There's not like one origin story, you know, and the more proto humans we find, they just found a new kind uh, somewhere, but you know, maybe even like we weren't, you know, a single source, like what they used to teach us in school. Like it's a different thing. It's an amalgamation of, of, you know, perhaps. Right. But like, Sausage seems so specific. Like, don't you think somebody, there's like some grandma figured it out like <laughs> 500,000 years ago. And then like, we're all eating it as a result of <laughs> that person. I don't know. Even like of the three things we're discussing, I think you're right. That sausage is like further singular of them that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it seems less necessary to make your way down that road. And so that yeah, yeah. one's just really got to be like, you know, if we grind up this meat <laughs> and we put it in that guy's intestine and we put a bunch of spices in there, I've never tasted anything like it. It's like, going to rock your world. Yeah. Like when we just cut the cow in half and put it on the fire, that's really good. But did you see what happened if we do all this other shit to it? And like exactly. all the bite is made in of itself. It's like, I guess what it really is, is in some ways, it's like the original processed food. Maybe we just, we just fucked ourselves oh, yeah. right then. We're like, let's, it's, it's not good enough. We gotta, we gotta class up, you know, these yep. ribs or the, this, this big pork chop or whatever. Yep. What if we went on Wikipedia and found out that sausage is like 200 years old? <laughs> it's like one Italian guy. No, no, it, it, yeah. it's like Galileo invented sausage. That's what it is. It's a little more than 200, but he was like tired. Yeah. Oh, God, I've been doing these fucking lenses all day. And then he just made some sausage. Uh, I hope that's not true. Uh, I, I used too. to say this all the time. I say it very infrequently now, but this is a great time to note. Do not facts checked. Fact check this podcast you are not allowed to tell me if it is true now if sausage is like so goes so far back we can't tell when it's from you can tell me that but i don't want to hear if it's correct that like galileo made sausage yeah you don't need to be pedantic about sausage (laughs) great point please well that was a fantastic uh session of eat anything good lately now i'm happy to announce that next up we have a topic i i discuss this almost every episode now i have a list of sauce talk topics that i keep on my phone and anytime yeah. i think of something i put it on there 
I can tell you this next topic, I believe I put in my phone like the day after we last did a podcast. And I was like, the next time John Huber comes on, this is what we got to talk about. Sweet. I understand you have a uh, one, at least one instance of a sauce related employment history. <laughs> Is that true? Um, there, there may be a couple, but if there's, I, if there's more, we're going to go through them all. But well, tell. one specifically would be, and I think we discussed it last episode, but would be my employment history with the Subway franchise. That's right. I. I we it came up at the very end. It and came I was like, up. We yeah, should have fucking you're... talked about that the whole time. God damn it! Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's funny that you should bring that up, John. Um, Are you going because... back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My life has gone to complete shit, and I'm returning to Subway. No offense to anybody that works at Subway. It's just I've been there, done that. Um, no. So in thinking about the show, Vicky has like, what, what sauce are you going to talk about? What sauce are you going to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know. But I thought about Subway's honey mustard because I want to, I don't want to let John down. I want to get Subway right front and center because we mentioned that at the end of last so episode. So you also remember that it came up and it felt like I remember, unfortunate. We did not devote yes, enough time. Yes. That's so, beautiful. Um, so yes, I think, I think we should, we should get into that a little bit. Okay. Let's start at the very beginning. I, I have to say very excited. You specifically mentioned the honey mustard, but yeah, I don't want to get into it too soon. Let's start with, uh, well, first off, when did you work at Subway? So in high school in, I want to say once I was. 16, 17 years old. I want to say like 16. So I think I got my first, I had, I, I was employed. I did things like, um, paper route as a younger kid. And then my brother and I were, you know, we worked for this guy's lawn care company. And then I worked as a bus boy at a restaurant downtown. It was like, one of the nicest restaurants in town, but like that doesn't, that's not saying anything, you know? <laughs> um, that didn't last. I went on vacation and I told my manager I was going on vacation and he said that'd be fine. And then I got back and he was like, you didn't talk to me. So he fired me. And oh my so God. It was insane. But probably better. I didn't spend too much time working at that restaurant. So, and I think I was 16. I definitely remember my brother picking me up from that job. So we were driving and it must've been right after that, that I went to subway. I must've had a friend, a number of us worked there and I don't think I was among the first people. Maybe my friend drew already had a job there. I don't, I don't remember, but 16, I want to say like 16 and then worked there through high school. Um, graduated, did a oh i must have worked there through my first year of college too because i i i lived with my mom my first year of college and then my second year of college i moved to michigan 
got a job in a restaurant that I really liked, but it was in a tourist town in Southwest Michigan, Saugatuck, Michigan. And the restaurant closed seasonally in the winter. So then I got a job at a subway in a gas station in Southwest Michigan. We have so much to unpack here. Yeah, um, so that that's the chronology of my subway experience. To, be, to begin with, I think that it's wonderful that it sounds like throughout your history here, Subway has treated you a lot better than all like the nice restaurants you were working at during this period. Well, that's a fair. Yes, absolutely. Like the other ones, like firing you for bogus reasons. You're like, yeah, we don't open yeah. in the winter. So get lost entire staff. Whereas Subway, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're Subway. So we're going to be open. You want to come by? That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did now, why did you, did you like Subway? Why did you pick Subway as a place? Like, obviously you could have gone to, Try to get? Did you try? Did you try to avoid going to Subway, or were you like, Subway's a good place. I want to work there. Um, I so it's hard to remember exactly when, you know, when I started going to Subway. But once we were sixteen, like we had a car, there wasn't anything to do. I'm pretty sure we had a couple friends already working at Subway, and I got a job there because somebody told me they're hiring or I just applied at places I figured I would be able to do the Mm -hmm. job, you know, and it seemed like better than working at McDonald's or something, you know, but I mean, I was an unskilled employee. I, I, you know, I had a high school, I didn't even, I wasn't graduated high school yet, you know? So like, what do you do? My brother worked at the library and that was cool. Um, but yeah, like it would seemed like seemed cool. And the other thing is like people hung out. It was in a strip mall on the edge of Alton and Godfrey, Illinois. Godfrey is basically like just a system of, it's a town with, it's a system of like subdivisions. Like those kids go to our high school and, and, elementary middle school oh boy that's judgy there they go to our high school well no that feels like something (laughs) doubling down i mean i i I think godfrey illinois exists because of white flight i mean i think that's well i mean i think subdivisions so it it, it sounds like they fucked up though they 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 went out there and made their town like god damn we didn't make a good enough town to have our own school we still gotta go back there fuck yeah so bad work godfrey residents people would hang out like at Subway, it was like we weren't old enough to do anything. So, like, because we had friends, we would, like, hang out at Subway. And we had a group of friends that worked at Jimmy John's, <laughs> 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 too. But anyway, I got a job there early. Then a, several friends worked there over time, like, because, you know, they knew that it was a cool place to work. And it was a cool place to work, like. The managers worked during the, the days, so we were able to work in shifts of two or three people without a manager. We were all in high, all high school kids. There was a smoking section in Subway. Um, they like people like smoked weed in the back room. Like people would like go in the bathroom and like sell each other weed. You know, it's like, so weird how it becomes people as soon as weed comes up. 
Like all along, me and my friends were doing this and that, and then some people did this. Listen, I was a big pothead in high school. I, I don't know why anyone would admit to committing crimes on Sauce Talk. Seems like a right. big mistake. Right. I was a big pothead in high school. The funniest thing was like the police, like the Madison County Sheriff, and sometimes Alton Police, but like especially the Madison County Sheriff's officers would come in and we always give cops free sandwiches and like no matter how stoned you looked <laughs> they did not bat an eye it was like i always thought it was the weirdest thing yeah it's not and the like, weirdest thing at all we don't fucking know what that story is right right that's fair yeah very fair that, that's 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 increase those police budgets everyone um <clears throat> i think that you're right though i think the, i think even if it's unspoken to this point, a lot of what we're getting at here is is two things. And you think about what's different uh, about working at Subway or McDonald's. One, mm-hmm. no fryer. No fryer right. is everything. Like right. even if you're not working the fryer, the fryer's proximity to you changes right. the game in every sense. And then also, there, there's no like there's a back area to go into like if you need to get something or sell some weed but in general everybody's hanging out in the front and so yes. there is no like well yeah it's nice out there where the customers are but they shove me in the back where it's 10,000 degrees and I got to just make cheeseburgers without looking up for 40 straight hours totally like at subway totally. it's like you got to make it decent out there because the, the the workers are standing 2 feet away from the the customers and so the customers don't want it to be 10,000 degrees and you're sweating and watching the person kill themselves. So they got to make it nice. So the subway has an There's a, inherent advantage. Right. There's no drive through, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even think of that. That's another great point. Yeah. It's impossible, you know. Um, I, maybe they exist else in some place, but it would be very, you know, it would be kind of, I think, hard to do it. It would be hard for the customer. Yeah. To just think yeah, of yeah, all yeah, this, yeah, yeah. like, now, those banana peppers, they look good today. What do they look like? Like, how, how are you going to do this? Well, and we were called sandwich artists. So, like... That's nice. The idea was you were meant to be, you know, people, like, had, like, you're supposed to be doing this You have some agency in here. In front of people. <clears throat> yeah. 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 You um, make the, sand, the, the good sandwich, and there's, like, you doing a good job impacts it, whereas in other places, it's like, are the... Like, they literally have songs in McDonald's that are just the list of things on the sandwich. Yeah. If you have those things, you did a good job. That's not how it is at Subway. Right. If you put all the banana peppers on one end of the footlong, you suck. You did a terrible job. Nobody I had that. a lady that would come in and basically what you, there's, there's, as you know from going to Subway, there's three stations. Yep. There's the bread, meat, cheese. There's the veggies and sauce. And there's the cashier. And a, an efficient way to do that is to cycle, like constantly be cycling who's doing that. And, and, but you're not taking a sandwich through the whole way, but like it's, it's really great to like do two in a row. Mm-hmm. We found that it, that was like really an efficient way to do that. Um, if you have three people and it's busy. There was a lady, she was a regular, I mean, I remember her coming in a lot, and then at some point, she, somebody asked what she wanted, and she's like, I'll, I'll go, 
I'll go in a minute. I want him, and she pointed at me. She's like, I want him to make the sandwiches. He makes the best ones. Oh, boy, that's high praise. I was like, that's, <laughs> what? that's amazing. This fucks up our system, but I love you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I def I I I was always generally aware of that, but then I really became aware of it at the uh, subway that's in the office building I work at here in Minnesota. Okay, um, because the people in that office building are it's it's all Westlaw people, and so it's almost entirely like attorneys who have chosen to take non-traditional legal jobs and hardcore programmers and Mm -hmm. everybody is just super chill and puts up with whatever and so when you go to the subway it's they can absolutely you see the rotation and nobody ever says a word nobody ever complains and they can really and i guess the other thing i didn't mention is it's very driven by like there's a lunch rush and then nothing all afternoon like that the only thing is the lunch rush but yeah. it gets really bad at lunchtime, and so they have a lot of incentive, and they have the right cl- the right customers. That like, it, it's exactly what you're describing. That you just they're just continually sliding down, and then eventually yeah. the cashier guy's like, "I'm going to let three stack up, and then I'm going to bring you all up at once." And everybody yep, just yep. deals with it, and it, yep. it's, it's it's the best way to do that because I'm sure in yep. a lot of locations it's harder because somebody's like, "No, I want to pay now, and I got to get out of here or whatever." Nobody's totally. saying a word there. I remember the, uh, yeah, like, seems like if you go by a McDonald's, it's always busy. There's always people in the drive-thru. There's always people inside. Subway, it always feels like there's rushes, and then there's not. And it seems to have continued on, because anytime I go in one, it's one or the other. Yeah. But that downtime was great. There's only so much you can prep, right, because it's fresh. In, I mean, you know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but tomatoes only last so long once they're cut, for example. Right. You know, like you can only dump so many pickled jalapenos into so many, you know, deli trays. Or I'm whatever. sure that's how like the like, trays are designed and drawn up, too, is they have some yeah. idea of like, well, we no reason to make this thing, this tray twice as big because... If we fill that up, we're literally going to have to dump half of these out of there. I'm sure that's exactly what it is. Yep, yep. Which is another advantage over, like, we're just dumping frozen fries into a fryer, and so right. we can do anything. It was interesting listening to you and Margaret talk about the tuna, because what's so interesting about tuna at Subway is, like, I mean, I, I haven't looked into what they've come down upon with tuna or not, whatever. It doesn't matter. But you actually... They may have other systems now, or uh, I, you know, I don't know. But you, we mixed it with gloved hands. Really? Yeah. So like that was it was like, in a way, like more more attention was paid to the tuna than like anything else because you used huge cans of tuna and mixed it with mayo. I think it was like a one to one, if I remember right, like a big tub of mayo. Big can of tuna. I think it was one to one, and then you would mix it by hand in a big bowl. Like you would start with the spatula. It's you know you primarily use that, but you could never get it to the mix that it needed to be to have that like consistent. You know, like every single scoop was going to be the same. 
But I always thought that was interesting. <clears throat> I think that's also a testament to the, the legitimacy of the tuna if you can't nail that consistency. I, I feel like that'd be the mm-hmm. first thing you would clean up if it was super bogus. Like it yeah, would just yeah, yeah, become yeah. dead even every time. Uh, when you worked at Subway, like did you did you get like a free sandwich during your shift? Oh my god! I mean, me and anyone I knew that came in. There. Uh, this this combines <laughs> my next question as well. I, that's where I wanted to get to is like, what did you get? And then was it like a thing where like if when so and so comes in, you're like, what do the what they just get whatever and that's cool. Yeah, I mean, so. Well, do you remember that they had the stamps? Yeah, I do. I, 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 yeah. I it was way back when, but yeah. So you, you had a card with 10 or 12 or something. You got a stamp every six inch you got, and a, a card would give you a six inch, and two would give you a foot long. Well, like, you know, yeah, there were countless ways. Also, you just, we didn't do inventory. It was a high volume store and the bread, like there's so many times when you throw away a six inch because it's gotten hard or, you know, like there's just so many ways like to, to not keep track. My guess is that the managers had like a, like a balance of like, you know, half a box of white bread that they needed to fall under, mm-hmm. you know, in inventory. But yeah, I mean, it was just so easy. And then it's like, you can't measure out that you get a big bag of lettuce, you you know, a handful of that. There's no way of like tallying, <laughs> <laughs> taking inventory. Right. So like, it was just so easy to like, give, give your friends sandwiches. You know, the Did chicken you, was hard. Oh, that yeah, That's much more accountable yeah. than just yeah. about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this one, fr- a couple of friends, that's all they ate. And it's like, I, I feel really bad, but I can't give this to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick differently. Yeah. Um, did you have any, like if, like if you got to, if you made yourself a sandwich, did you have any special things that you liked or were you just straight down the middle, whatever? Well, it was always trying different things, right? Like, um, or just, you know, I feel like me and everyone else started with turkey at Subway. And then, you know, maybe it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll eat ham or maybe I'll eat roast beef. I ate roast beef for a long time when I worked there. Mm -hmm. Then I started getting into like BMT, which is often what I'll get now. But then it's like, what does it taste like with turkey and salami or like roast beef and pepperoni or, you know, a steak sandwich. And then like, you can like try different sauces or like, you know, so we just, I mean, within limit, we tried everything. I was never big on like chicken. I didn't like the big and meatball. Those were not like, I never really messed with those, but like you would get steak and cheese and microwave the steak and and put the cheese on it, which like would not be standard for like a customer. So that's like one way we would, we would get fancy. 
but then also putting like a little bit of the marinara from the meatballs on a different kind of sandwich. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. Like with regular customers, you're like, Hey, like somebody always gets chicken. It's like, Hey, like we've been trying this. Like you want a little bit of marinara on this chicken sandwich, like that's already hot. And they're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. You're like halfway to a chicken parm sandwich. Who doesn't want that? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but basically what you, what I settled on was that like the bread was what, you know, whatever the cheese and the meat, like you just sort of pick one and then it's like the, the right proportion. This is clearly what happened. This is what makes a good Subway sandwich, but it's like clearly the proportion of the vegetables, like, and then oil and vinegar, salt and pepper, oregano. And a little bit of a sauce. But like that balance that's really good is hard to ask somebody else to do for you. Um, but I highly recommend anybody get oregano like and salt and pepper on a Subway sandwich. The salt and pepper alone will bring out the veggie tastes so much. Um yeah, and then everything else. Like, you can't control how somebody makes your sandwich, right? It it's varies like, a lot. It can be very, can be very frustrating to go to Subway. When I um, was in undergrad, <clears throat> maybe this was just an especially good Subway, but, like, the good Subway near where I lived, when you went there, and this would have been, like, 2004, 2005, they had a sticker on the end. That strong at the at the end of the the glass shield thing, that strongly recommended you just tell them do all the shakers over my sandwich, that I want salt and pepper, oregano, and I don't I think there were like four or five shakers. I don't even know Weird. what they all, but they were like say this and we'll do all the shakers, and this makes your sandwich kick ass. So you want to do this, and so that's that's where I before yeah. that I never got any of them, and so it's, it's crazy that you mentioned like by the way. Like even more than sauces, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, makes yeah. the sandwich pop, and that's exactly what this place yeah. thought as well. Oil and vinegar helps a lot too, but people like when you tip those things over, it's like a straight straight. Like there's no control, so like it's hard to not put too much, and you don't want a lot of that, in my opinion. But. When you when you, you say that about the oil and vinegar, it reminds me of something. Have you ever you ever read about uh, that old weird ass painter dude Pablo Picasso, and how they always say he always yeah. said that the uh, greatest collector of Picassos was of course himself. That he was always going out buying up all his paintings, or even not selling them and keeping them. We've got a similar thing. Here at Sauce Talk, where I am actually the greatest connoisseur of Sauce Talk. And I know and love this show more than anyone else ever could. And so when you mention that about the oil and vinegar, I instantly, it strikes me. I'm pretty sure Margaret was on here once complaining about a time that Michael, I want to say, at the very least got himself a sandwich with no sauce but oil and vinegar on it. But I think possibly... Also got her a sauce, a sandwich with no sauce and oil and vinegar on it. 
And she was, at the very least, very displeased with even him for ordering that for himself. You have to get the sauce. You need like, the sauce as well. It seems insane. <laughs> I believe he defended it he afterwards, thought, but it I seems he crazy. He was being so savvy. or so, I don't know what the right word is. Mm-hmm. I bet he was... I think Savvy's dead on. He's like, yeah, I know better. I don't yeah. want that sauce. I just want oil and vinegar. Hell no, yeah. you don't. No, you don't. You don't. What a you fool. don't. Um, no, it, Subway was fun. What's weird about talk, talking about Subway and even going to Subway, although it, I've gone to many since I've worked there, so it's not like this like overwhelming feeling like if – I don't know if Toys R Us opened back up, but I walked into one and I haven't been in one in 28 years mm-hmm. or something. I don't, you know, but it, there is nostalgia about my childhood, you know, and, and I had a lot of fun. I worked with friends. I made friends that worked there. Um, there wasn't a lot going in Alton, Illinois. So like going to Subway was a thing that people did, you know, like before going out to something else or maybe that's you know like you'd go drive around or whatever you did like yeah um i remember having to well i remember that the security camera video was broken and like no one had any intention of getting it fixed so your friends could like hang out with you while you cleaned up and like we would like mop and like our friends would like put their feet up (laughs) you know and like let it dry and then you know, set the alarm. I don't think there were motion, you know, it was like maybe a little before that was, or a lot before, I don't know. That was very common. So like you could set the alarm in like with your, your friends just like in there, (laughs) (laughs) like the managers and the owners all lived in like different towns. So you, you didn't really need to be worried about them coming in and saying like, what is all these people doing? And if they did, they probably wouldn't have even cared, you know? So it was just really, it was fun. It was, you know, it was a neat, it was a neat place to work. All that said, the one I worked at in Michigan, I didn't, I did not like, I, it was sort of the antithesis. Like you had to do inventory at the end of every shift. Um, you, worked by yourself because it was just like this like row and again in the back of a gas station. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It sucks. Um, so you just worked, you worked by yourself. It was never that busy. Like Southwest Michigan. It, there's a lot of like vibrant tourist communities and people that live around those, but there's also just a lot of like regular ass, like scary white people that live there too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, like we had to, you had to like scrub, there was like a stainless steel scrub. So like, it was just the the level, you know, the, the, the people that owned it were very, very Christian. I went to their house for their interview. Um, and they, they took it very seriously in a way that like was off putting from the beginning and I could tell from their home, which also felt intentional, that they were super Christian. And like I, it felt like that they were like sending a message yeah. to any potential wanted. employees. And like, yeah. So one day I just didn't want to go because I heard that the restaurant was opening, that I worked at before, like 
was opening back up for another season and they were like, Hey, like kind of last minute, like we were going to open, we were going to call you in about a month, but like, we don't have any staff yet. Like, will you come help us like open the restaurant? You're the only returning employee. If you want to come back. (laughs) And that place was great. So fun. So care, like unique and awesome. And the opposite of a franchise chain restaurant. Right. So like, I just like didn't go to work one day and my bosses were like calling me. I've never done that before. And I still am like kind of traumatized (laughs) by like that kind of behavior, you know, just because you're sitting in your home, like the phone's ringing every five minutes for like three hours, you know, and it's, yeah, was not good. It was not good, but also fuck those people. I didn't like them. It sounds like they didn't have the right understanding of what they were offering to people. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it especially, it was especially difficult for you because you previously had the employer who knew what job he was giving you. That's exactly right. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the half the job when you have a subway franchise. Like, you know what? I got to yeah. just be cool. It's just like, you know, if I go around and hire a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds, they're probably like their friends who might come in and put their feet up when they mop the floor. But you know what I like? They right. mop the floor. Yep. If you come yep. in and do your job, everything's going to be cool. And if you don't, then I got to kick you out. But that's yep. what it needs to be. Not like I'm going to screen people for proper Christian dumb and then yeah. I'll figure out if they get to work here and then yeah. I'll smash them if they don't count the lettuces at the end of the day. That's well, yeah, that's right. And like we got to if you work during the day at so like on weekends and stuff when I was in high school. We would work with managers or like older, like there was a couple of older ladies, um, that worked there that were really sweet and they looked out after all of us and they taught us how to do the job. They taught us how to clean, like on a schedule where you're not like doing everything at the end of the night mm-hmm. it was great. And we kept that place really clean. And, you know, I mean, the other one was probably cleaner, you know, sure. And I, think restaurants should be like really clean you know but you're right exactly i think you stated it perfectly like you got to know what you're hiring people for the other place was probably cleaner when they weren't turning over all their employees because everyone left the moment anyone else called because why would you stay there like who 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 could who could care that's a good point it's it's been a fantastic uh, sauce related employment segment. I've been wanting to do some sauce related employment segments and we finally got a real good one in, but I think it's time. John. Yes. I John. think you should hot take. Here's my hot take, John. Lollapalooza sucks. Lollapalooza sucks. Well. I am so, curious. Now, we'll keep it very yeah, yeah, short. That, that, that's, that you, that's, I'm, I think that should be part of it. I'm going to let you deliver the take however you want to sum it up. Very, very quickly. I live in the city of Chicago. It's exclusively in Chicago. People call it Lala almost exclusively, which is like nails on a chalkboard. Um, you think they should call it Palu? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd well, then cool. it would sound like some. It would sound like a Pacific yeah. Island. Yeah, there's Hawaiian barbecue, barbecue in Grant Park this <laughs> yeah. weekend. We gotta go. Yeah, um, I don't trust. I, I always thought it was a weird event, and then now with its COVID related 
situation. Fuck that. It's stupid. They shouldn't be doing it. They did it kind of, they announced it, I think, like, in a, a way to kind of bully the city of Chicago and giving them whatever permit or access they needed, like, because I think they announced before anybody knew it was coming. Oh, wow. You know, like, and yeah, that's not the way people should listen to music. It's fun to do sometimes. It's not the way people should listen to music. That's all I have to say about Lollapalooza. As you said that, I'm getting ideas about how this segment should work. As I said before, we've only done this once. Um, yeah. I First off, part of me thinks that what I should do, and you tell me if you think it's a good idea, maybe initially I had the idea that we would – you would deliver, you the guest would deliver the hot take. Then we'd have another segment away so that if I was upset by the hot take, yes. I would not react emotionally. Because in previous, the one previous instance, I did, I was upset by it. Um, and then we'd come back to it and then I could, we could talk about it rationally. Mm-hmm. But maybe the real way to do this, because what we've set out is like what we're aiming for. Is you you want to? It has to be a hot take that one you sincerely believe, and two that most people in our group uh, don't agree with. But three, you don't want the hot take that like only you believe and everybody else hates. That's a, yes. And so it's, a, it's, it's a weird window, but it does it does feel different if like if you're just trying to think of something esoteric that you know. That like I can't I could I've never met someone else who had the same belief as me. So you want like two or three people to agree with you. So maybe what it should really be is that I just give the floor to the guest. The guest delivers the hot take. I don't respond. And then we present it as a poll and people can vote on whether they agree with the take, disagree with the take or don't care. And then we can use that. I think that that's fun. I think any kind of, any, any way to have a level of participation. On the other hand, do people want to participate? This show has perhaps four listeners. (laughs) Like, if I, if I, if I don't write the take into the group chat, we're going to have a significant portion that is not really able to vote based on what the guests said. Well, you could, you yeah, you could text the group chat. You could, you, you could recycle hot takes and have a point counterpoint podcast to podcast. So your next guest, you could say, "What is your input on John's hot take?" Which is this. Ooh, and then and they give might- their own. Then they give their own, so it's like that's a what it chain. is. Yeah, it's like a chain. The ne- yeah, thing. I like that. The next get, and then and then they, we, there's never a poll, but they still have to do the same work in regards to the question of is this completely unpopular? Is this slightly popular, or is this pretty popular? Yeah, I yeah. like that. And then and I will not. Uh, taint the jury pool here 
I won't like jump in and be like, here's why your take sucks or here's why your take is so good. So that's just what it is. And so right. uh, let me make a note here. Lala sucks. Hot take. And so there you go. The next person who comes on is going to give their own hot take and evaluate that. I think that's fantastic. That's Thank awesome. you so much for the uh, the editing there. That's that's my pleasure. Exactly where we wanted to get to, I think. Okay, we've got a special uh, aside topic. This is probably the most up to the moment topic we've ever had on the podcast and it's kind of bad news for me because it puts a lot of pressure on me to release this podcast immediately so i can really get the full thrust the full benefit of how up to the moment this is but i'm going to read you an extremely recent as in within the last 25 minutes uh exchange from the group chat for uh what used to be the fantasy football league that turned into this podcast support group question mark i don't know how to describe <laughs> this but anyway uh i'm gonna read you this i think well i won't say how i feel and you can tell me what you think of this exchange uh friend of the podcast pat polk uh sent out a picture of a peter wrap with homemade falafel that he made tonight and now this cannot be tonight it looks really fucking good i bet uh, and then uh matt schmidt also a friend of the podcast, replied, what is the red sauce? Because there's red sauce. And then Pat replied, homemade harissa. It was also in the halloumi wrap the other day. I'm sure the entire wrap was confusing to you until I told you what the sauce was. <laughs> harissa explains it all. <laughs> That's a good one. That's fucking great, right? Yeah, I love it. I yeah. will say, we immediately had a reply suggesting uh, that this was not a good joke. But <laughs> I, I, that is that is what I'm here for. I thought I, it was funny. I think, I, 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 especially as some as anyone who's listened to this show, I am a fan. As anyone who's listened to this show could could vouch for, it, I am a fan of the extremely long wind up. The yes. Hideo Nomo, if you will. <laughs> Take your time out there. En enjoy the studio space. And then to, to come through with the fucking clincher line like that, I think that's extremely good work. Amazing. I like Amazing. it a lot. Um, that's enough of that. Hey, John, what sauce yes. are you bringing to the table this week? Um, I had some thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm doing... Subway's honey mustard sauce. Hell yeah. Fucking love it. So we talked a lot about Subway. We could talk more. We don't need to. Here's here's my take on sauces at Subway in a way to tell why I like the honey mustard sauce. When I first started, I don't remember everything we had, but it wasn't, it was not much. I like remember you, the big changeovers when I was in high school. They were like, we're getting more sauce focused. There's yep. a lot of sauces now. Well, the world did. Like, <laughs> really the world changed. That's a good point. People like, like it was a nice restaurant if like they put sauce yeah. on it, you know, like that was like the height of like Midwestern 
fine dining at some point. But so like mayo, spicy mayo. I feel like we used to even have yellow mustard when I first started working. I don't feel like they have that at Subway anymore. Mayo mustard. Maybe a couple other things. I don't know. But then there's all this stuff. Sweet onion teriyaki. I don't like it. Chipotle. It's good on the Southwest or on the uh, steak and cheese sandwich. Um, I don't know what else they have, but the honey mustard is, it's a classic, right? Like, so it like falls in line with mayo and mustard in a certain way. It's not like some invention of Subway's, <laughs> in Subway's lab, you know? Um, and, so I do, I think, yeah, I think it just adds a little more than just getting mayo or mustard. It makes it more like Subway than getting like an actual sandwich or making an actual sandwich at your mm-hmm. house, which you would use mayo or you would use mustard probably. And then the more I learn about, like as an adult, about the things that I consume, the more I realize like you're just in it for the sugar <laughs> and like you didn't realize it you know, you're a kid and you intentionally eat sugar and people try and prevent you from eating sugar and you become an adult and you unintentionally consume through alcohol and all these soda and all these things like inordinate amounts of sugar. So, you know, fight it sometimes, try and be better sometimes, but I'm going to lean in on that honey mustard from Subway. I, to begin with, the honey mustard, I think at this point, is my sauce of choice. But it's close, and I, I do love that sweet onion sauce. Uh, as, a lot of people do. Yeah. But like if like I haven't been to a Subway in a long time at this point, but if I went tomorrow, I would get the honey mustard. That would be what I was yeah, most yeah, excited yeah. for. I do yeah. believe that a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Margaret, is a big fan of that Southwest Chipotle sauce. I think that was the primary. I thing think that's right. She was plugging, but uh, yeah. it's I I I've since had it, and in fact I I took her recommendation. I'm sure we talked about this and had it on the tuna, and I think that's yeah, probably yeah, yeah. the best way to go about it. Um, but again, like I say, it's it's not especially away from the tuna. I am normally getting just uh, veggie with a ton of spinach and some other stuff on it. Yeah. Um, I usually am going to want that honey mustard. That's the thing I'm the most excited for. I think that's a fantastic call. Um, Great. I love it. How come you can't buy that at the grocery store? You ever buy honey mustard at the grocery store? It's fucking terrible. It's different. There it's, is, it's not the from, same. It's garbage. There's At Costco, they have these like uh, packages of like smoked Norwegian salmon. Mm-hmm. And Vicky and I get them and we'll put them on like toast. Hell yeah. That rarely great. a bagel. You know, we don't, bread's in the house, right? Cream cheese, but it comes with honey mustard packets and it's pretty good. Okay. So this, this, this uh, honey I, mustard I, that comes with this is at, at Costco is pretty good. It is good. There are good honey mustards out there. I, I think an, a component of this conversation that I'm realizing is that like I get my honey mustard fill <laughs> from 
like all my extensive subwaying and sure. like don't really need, you know, it's like, I haven't really like sought out like a gourmet honey mustard, right? Like I'm sure there are great ones, but now it's almost like in my brain, it's kind of equivalent to like a thousand Island dressing or something. Right. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. When we did our big, uh, ranch dressing taste off way back when I, expressed skepticism at the concept of restaurant ranch, which everybody came down on me real hard for. They're like, oh, obviously ranch from any, like bad ranch from a restaurant is better than a good ranch that you get at the grocery store. Hell no. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I've come to accept that restaurant ranch can do very good things. But I think I am more in line with the idea of restaurant honey mustard. If yeah. anybody's got a grocery store honey mustard they really think is good, I'd love to hear about it. Because I honestly have bought it like once or twice ever, and it's always just sickly sweet and gross. That's right. Yeah. Like this Costco yeah. thing you're talking about sounds very appealing to me. Just because yeah. I don't feel like I can acquire honey mustard I'm excited about in the slightest. And so I just never buy it. And I'm like, it's too bad that I don't get that thing that I know I like because nobody will put it in a bottle and put it in the grocery store. Uh, the thing about ranch dressing from restaurants is that if you've ever been a dishwasher in a restaurant, you'll see large quantities of ranch dressing like coagulate oh boy. in the dish in like the drain. Oh, boy. And like you use your sprayer to like spray it and it's like resistant to like going down the drain like that isn't i'm not a fan of that plainly not food this is right. this is gel i should put right. i should wash my hair with this maybe before i eat it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yikes exactly well john we've got time for just one more segment uh great i have labeled this segment and again now i i should know as we go in there will be some edits We'll cut this back. We were at about an hour and 10 minutes. Okay. And so it's great that now let me tell you what the name of this last segment is. Music generally. Does that sound promising? Great. Music comma generally. Yes. Um, now I want to establish 90, some stuff. Yeah. I want to establish some stuff at the top. Uh, you, I think this is, it, if you disagree with this, you can say so. You are a professional musician that is an accurate statement like i I don't see how that's not true we know what each of these words i make i make yes people pay you to do music (laughs) yes like we could yeah so you can't say that's now and me i'm not right um now i also know that you like are you you teach people to play music is that correct that is correct uh now, I don't want to talk about, like, when you talk to somebody who's, like, a student of yours, that's, like, obviously a teacher-student relationship. And sure. the expectation is you were knowledgeable and they are not. And they came to you for a reason because they want you to share your knowledge with them. And that's going to be sure. great. I'm not talking about that kind of situation. What I'm talking about is what happens when you run into some idiot like me. Can you talk about music to me does that work or is it difficult for you that's a really great question oh thank you so much for letting me know 
because it's an astute question. So it makes me think first, like, so you're like, when you qualified the hot take thing, um, it can't be something that just you think, right? Right. So I can't say to you, unless I have like time and patience, we both have time and patience to get into a lot of things like Jimmy Martin is the greatest rhythm guitar player in bluegrass, right? Like, that's not a hot take for this show, nor is it like a hot take when you're sitting next to somebody at a bar and you like just played or you are on your way home and you stop for a beer and you have your guitar because you don't want to leave it in a car. And somebody's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a musician. I mean, yes, I'm a musician. Like, you know, how people ask that and what they talk about when they talk about music completely de- depends on how on the answer to your question right so i think most musicians not all of them have a deep deep love of a bunch of music and they have since they were kids right like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of musicians that you know classical musicians i don't know a ton of them i know that that can be a complicated relationship i know people not everybody's like me, right? But I love music and I've loved music since I was a little kid and I actively engage with it by listening to it and learning about it and playing it every single day. So if anybody wants to talk about music, I'm down. You know, I'm completely, completely down. I would segment your question into two things. One, playing music and two listening to music. Okay. So playing music, it's a lot easier to talk to people that are good or an acknowledged novice or amateur in the best senses of those words than to somebody that isn't good, but is arrogant and doesn't, acknowledge their novice or amateur qualities, right? Which like in a lot of ways, I am still an amateur and a novice in certain regards. And I love those concepts, right? Mm -hmm. So you talk to somebody that's new to it or somebody that's more experienced in it. There's a lot more like universality that you can get into, right? Like talking about, you know, ways that you practice, talking about shows that you've done, talking about like whatever it is. When you talk to somebody that is an arrogant middling musician, you're just going to be talking about their stuff all the time. And it's very, very frustrating. And it's not uncommon. So both sides of those spectrums are enjoyable and insufferable. The same goes with when you're talking about listening to music. People that have a pretty normal, and I mean, I'm saying normal as in like a a very common way of relating to music, which is like a deep love. Some things, for most people, some of their most important cherished things revolve around music, right? Like everybody has those things. Or you're talking about people that love, deeply love and are like, 
very invested in the learning of music and playing it, listening to it, combination, whatever it is. They know a lot. They're knowledgeable. Most of the time, those are wonderful conversations. When you talk to somebody that thinks they know a lot, it's insufferable. It's, 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 it's horrible, right? Like, it's like talking to like the dad that loves Eric Clapton and thinks that he's the greatest guitar player in the world and will argue with you about it. Like there's no convincing that person, nor is there anything to learn from a shared conversation there. All that guy wants to do is convince you that Eric Clapton is the greatest guitar player in the world because he wants to exercise this limited amount of knowledge that he's built up over time. Like, what, what was the point of listening to all this shitty Eric Clapton music otherwise, right? I wasn't, I wasn't going to listen to all that if I didn't get to hammer someone over the head with it. Right. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. I that love feels like it. what it is. Like, yeah. If, if people forgot that he showed his true colors back in the eighties or nineties <laughs> when he was just overtly racist, he was kind enough to remind us very recently. Having, yeah. 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 Fuck that guy. But anyway, so there's this like middle area. If you talk about music with people where you want to avoid talking to certain people, but really it's like a beautiful thing. But the thing that's tough is that people, again, it's some music is some of the most important thing to most people. So like, When I think about music, I'm thinking about these huge swaths of like information and time and style and genre, you know, and not everybody thinks about music like that. So like, I just have to make sure I'm checking myself and not like trying to lecture people Mm -hmm. when I talk to them, you know, like, cause it's easy to kind of pontificate on, especially nowadays, right? Like, Everything's connected. Nothing is isolated. You know, there's a lot of political and socioeconomic points you can make with like connecting bluegrass with the banjo with like African American enslaved people, you know, like, and those are important conversations to have. I like getting deep with people, but also like not everything is like this lecture teaching moment. You know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I play bluegrass, you know, like Mumford and Sons. This does (laughs) feel like an especially difficult position for you, because if you had like to me as that novice, if you had to pick out like what would you guess is the most touchy area to go down where people could have the wildest, worst takes, it would probably be bluegrass. Where if you want to roll in and be like, well, I'm I'm about to tell you about your why your genres the extreme best or the extreme worst. Right. And we can get like literally any, any perspective on the political spectrum, having any of these takes, I feel like you could find them talking about this genre of music. True. Right. But like in learning about all that and why I want to, you know, whatever in learning about and, and using bluegrass as a thought experiment, because I couldn't like in good conscience, not learn the little bits of the history I came to the table with and then the parts of the history that I learned 
while becoming a bluegrass musician and learning about the music and the genre, like if I'm not going to do some like real work in like rectifying what seems like some problematic things for me, then I'm not going to be able to do it. But like, look at disco, right? Like disco, the queerest, blackest, you know, form of, you know, late 20th century music in my limited understanding. Well, it was co-opted by white people, right? And like, what is Saturday Night Fever if not a very intentional straight white male take reclamation of disco from queer people of color? And even that wasn't enough. We still had to go fucking burn all the records and tell them never to come back. Exactly. Even after, you know, he's like, don't worry, it's just John Travolta now. Like, nope, who fucking cares? Right. This is the worst music I ever saw. Right, right. So, like, there is nothing that is free of these conversations. But, (laughs) like, (laughs) disco does not exist as, like, a primary signifier of, like, rural southeastern poor white people. Right. Like, and you know, here's a hot take. White people are terrifying and (laughs) you know, yeah. And it's more than the stereotypes of like deliverance. And it's more than all that there. People are astute in under in equating the sound of a banjo with racism. Like they are that, that is an astute shared cultural observation (laughs) you know you know it is unfortunately but there are people doing awesome work like reclaiming that there is a thing called the black banjo reclamation project there are tons of new folk musicians of color that are making their stamp in all sorts of ways right and they have been for years um so it's a good time to be involved in this Straying off the topic of your question, you know, but that is that is one way that it's difficult, right, to like mm-hmm. talk about music because of the specific kind of music I do. But, you know, I like to stay positive. I like to stay open minded. I like to talk to people and, you know, people love music. So it's like all those things are there, you know, like it's 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 fun. And, you know. I like pretty basic stuff. I like very weird, all kinds of weird, crazy shit, but like, I like Pink Floyd. I like the Beatles. I like the Wu-Tang Clan. I, you know what I mean? Like, I like the same kinds of things as like most everybody. So it's really easy to talk about music with people, even if that's not what I do professionally, you know, those kinds, but. So let's assume you're in it's uh you're on a, a beautiful bar patio and everyone is vaccinated and you're all just hanging out chilling no worries and then uh you're, you're like a, a a large group and so everybody's friendly with one another and someone comes up to you and you guys start talking about music and then you say that you like uh bluegrass music and you leave it at that. And then they say, oh, I like bluegrass music, too. How long do you think it is before you can tell, like, their depth of knowledge here? 
Is it instant? Uh, is it does it half an hour? Or what what what, what it's happens? Inst- it's it's instantaneous. Tell me more about that. It's instantaneous. So this is where like the snobbery of all musicians have a snobbery and a pretension because you have to learn a lot to be a musician. Bluegrass, ever since Oh Brother Where Art Thou, has been... I was gonna make an Oh Brother Where Art Thou joke at the end of this. I'm so disappointed. Oh, hey. I was, I was so excited for the setup, which would be, was it that he just said, my favorite album is the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack? I'm really disappointed. I love that album. Hey, I love that album too. But I also don't go up to people like, hey, I like Bluegrass. Have you heard the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack? Well, Listen, I don't think I would be into it if I had my mom and I loved that CD. And like we went and, you know, saw some artists that were on that CD. Mm-hmm. Like she liked Bluegrass before. She knew a lot of those people. But I mean, Gillian Welsh is on there and she's turning out to be appreciated as one of the paramount songwriters of the late 20th and you know, up to now, 21st century. She's one of the most celebrated musicians. She and her partner, Dave Rawlings, right? Like, Emily fucking Harris is on that, you know? Like, super legit. It gave Bluegrass a new heyday in American consciousness. Heyday is kind of a pun. Yeah, exactly. It, that's very funny. Is that as good um, as Pat's joke about Harissa explains it all? It's pretty good. Pretty good, right? Not as good, though. Um, (laughs) But what it did was present, like, T-Bone Burnett and, 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 you know, Gillian Welsh helped him. I think he probably had a couple other, like, consultants help the Coen brothers, like, pick all this music. In doing that, they were trying to present an era of American music, not a style. Right. So there is like Chris Thomas King playing like acoustic blues music on there. Like the blind boys of Alabama, I think are on there. Um, or no, sorry, the Fairfield four, like a black gospel quartet, right? Like they were presenting what was widely known and then widely like bemoaned as like being called Americana. Mm-hmm. In everyone's general understanding of bluegrass after that, that's what it was. It was acoustic music. Bluegrass equaled acoustic music. When, like, bluegrass is, like, one style. Like, jazz is jazz. And most people know generally what jazz is. Dixieland or more appropriately called like trad jazz or like New Orleans trad jazz, traditional jazz, which is what we all called Dixieland when we were kids. That's one style of like jazz or proto jazz. Like that's what bluegrass is. Imagine all the jazz players that exist in the world and a movie came out. And then after that, everything they did, somebody called it, Dixieland that it's not a perfect one-to-one, but it's, that's, that kind of works as sort of a model, right? Like bluegrass is a kind of country music that has folk roots 
has like American traditional string band and like African American gospel and blues roots. It's an amalgamation of different styles that were popular in the late thirties and early forties. But the early practitioners of it considered it country music. Long history, long story. For most of the 20th century, bluegrass was a, a very specific thing. But there were bluegrass festivals that let in less specific representations of that thing. This is why you hate Lollapalooza. Well, yes, exactly. These right? festivals fuck well, everything up. Well, the, these bluegrass festivals were the first of a kind. It's really fascinating. Like they, what do you mean by first of a kind? There, there were not, there were not pu- nationally publicized outdoor gatherings of a bunch of bands over a weekend until they started doing it in bluegrass. That's really cool. When did yeah. they do this? The sixties. Yeah, that's amazing. So there were tent shows, like bands would. T- Package shows, they would travel around like Grand Old Opry stars. The medicine shows would do this like pre-recording. You know, it was not dissimilar to what had happened before mm-hmm. for a long time, for uh, probably ages. But like, as like, come to this one place. If you like bluegrass music, we're going to spread the word and folk That's music. what we're doing this weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love exactly. it. Exactly. So anyway... Bluegrass is a, I'm very, being very long-winded about this. Bluegrass is a certain kind of American music that people now use that word to de- describe other kinds of American music and even Irish music. Like, you know, like there are, there are things that are blatantly not bluegrass. There are things that are inspired by bluegrass, but they're not bluegrass if you want to be persnickety about it. But it's a catch-all term. So to answer your question, you can tell immediately if somebody knows what they're talking about or not. But that's in my definition of knowing what you're talking about, right? So that to truly answer your question, if somebody then says, like, I love XYZ, and I'm thinking to myself, well, one of those is a bluegrass musician and the rest are like bluegrass adjacent, mm-hmm. but like you like good music. So I don't care. Yeah. Like, what do yeah. I care? I'm not going to like define all of this for you on this beautiful outdoor bar patio where we're all vaccinated and it's a lovely evening and we're all having a good time. And you're my friend's buddy, you know, like. It's just an opportunity to talk about these, these good musicians you both exactly, like. That's exactly And right. we can issue the side issue of. That's exactly used, right. used a word the way I didn't like, but who could fucking care? Right, like who gives a fucking shit, you know? Um, what instruments do you know how to play? Um, guitar. I sing okay. Um, I can play a banjo and a mandolin. I just haven't spent... I can't do those professionally. I can do... And I can't do them with other people. But I practice them sometimes and I play them sometimes around the house and I use the banjo to teach. So like I can, I know enough to get ideas out to like other students that are working on things that are a little more advanced. You know, I'm not teaching them the rudiments because I'm not that good, but I'm good enough to be able to teach like people some quick ideas to like get a solo going or something. 
so I keep the banjo out. I don't own a mandolin, although I have. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So primarily guitar, and then I also sing, you know, professionally. How often? What's how often do you? Hmm, I guess COVID times. The answer is probably bad. Uh, what 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 would be an example of like an especially exciting performance you would do? Like what happens during that? Where is it? What sort of event is it? What kind of stuff do you do? That's a good question. So I do regular performance things like play for brunches, um, play for like happy hour kind of things. And those are always very fun and engaging, really great times. But anytime you can get in a club on a stage show is going to be a good time. And um, we did a thing where my bluegrass band um, that I've been in for a while called the Wandering Boys partnered up with a guy named Lawrence Peters, who's a Chicago country singer and songwriter and band leader. And we did uh, two sets of CCR covers in like a bluegrass style. And we sold out the show. It wasn't a huge venue, but like that combo of CCR and bluegrass, like was compelling to end the room that we were in, which is like known for good music. Um, you know, yeah, we sold it out and we had so much fun. Like we, we practiced a lot. Like we got the, the, the stuff good and tight and did a really good job with it. And that was fun. And what was cool about that is like, because it was known material, people were singing along and I've never had that before. I've never sung like born in the USA to a room of people or something, you know, like, and so to sing like, um, you know, fortunate son or proud Mary, or, you know, like my bass player, you know, my friend Aaron sing proud Mary, you know, but, like to have everybody singing along, it's like incredible. Yeah, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, and experiences like that will make you, you know, going back to you know the question about, like, it'll make you love talking to music, talking about music with people. Like it really will, right? Because those are the kinds of things that show you that people love this shit. Like you can feel so smart and so special for putting together this cool idea of having a bluegrass interpretation of CCR music. Right. But like how, like you can't feel that special if everybody loves it. That means Mm -hmm. it's obvious. (laughs) That means it's a, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So Anyway, it's I hard like not that. to be long-winded about all this stuff. No, I, 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 this was very much like a an open-ended thing with the idea that you would just kind of explain stuff to me, and I think that 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 general concept there at the end of how, at the end of the day, the person with some knowledge, but not like the most basic, boring opinions is quietly like the person who matters the most in in part because that might also be who you like they're interested enough to come to the show yeah but they're also who you would truly connect with in a special way 
because they are not used to seeing this show. And if you only get, you know, hardcore, extreme, knowledgeable bluegrass people, they'll just be like, oh, well, this doesn't sound quite like this other thing. But you're teaching this person, like, through the, the vector of a band they know about what this kind of music is. Why wouldn't that be the best way to do it? Yep. Yep. I think that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. John, this has been a fantastic episode. This has been a blast, John. I really enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, the guy I mentioned, Lawrence Peters, he has a band, the Lawrence Peters Outfit, and I have been watching that band for, you know, 15 years, as long as I've been in Chicago. They've been playing a long time, and I was, a, I would say two or three years ago, asked to sub for their rhythm guitar player on a gig. And then I've been like his first call, but his rhythm guitar player moved out of town. So I joined that band. Oh boy. Nice. Recently. And it's, it's an honor, you know, to, to be a part of a band that I've been watching for so long. And it's a very good band, very good country band, really fun. He writes a lot of songs, does a lot of classic country covers. And then, the bass player and I keep it down. He plays stand up and I play acoustic. So it has that like acoustic vibe, but then the, the, the electric guitar player really like gets out there and does like cool solos and gives it kind of, you know, a slightly contemporary. It's not buried in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Because like this guy is, is, is a very just really fun, interesting guitar player. So yeah, the Lawrence Peters outfit. If anybody makes it to Chicago, there's a good chance we'll be playing somewhere when somebody's here. So, you know, we'd love to see people out at the shows. Well, it sounds fantastic. Uh that that get, get group of uh guitars alone is incredible. That 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 range of how you're just it's hitting the side of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such yeah. a unique thing. I like that a lot. Totally. No, John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, John. I'll do it anytime. I was, it was an honor to be asked back. Nice work. And sorry it took, we, we took up so much time. Hey, every, everybody's <laughs> lucky. A lot. Every minute they get from us, they're lucky to get. I, I agree with that, dude. Completely. Best wishes in the intervening days.